This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the Negroni. Yes, another cocktail hour. Mm-hmm. Yes, as always with these, drink responsibly. Yep. Um, I will say Negronis now make me think of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. Yes. Thanks to Joe McCormick over at Stuff to Blow Your Mind, who is a part of our campaign. He always makes Negronis for us should yeah. we desire them. He's been play. he's been hosting over at his house and exactly. uh has just been delightfully uh crafting Negronis for us while we play. Yes. It's wonderful. I I was trying to explain it to him the first time we were playing where I was like I don't have I have like gin. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a step up for me. I'm very excited about what's happening now. Yeah. I'm very appreciative. Also, he always hands them to me and says, thanks, DM. And I'm Aww. like, oh, Joe. <laughs> this is oh. very, very, very sweet. Yeah. 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 We we, we were talking uh, before we started recording. And yeah, but neither of us have the ingredients to make a Negroni. No. Both of us only have gin. So yep. it's it could be like a deconstructed Negroni. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, I, I, I very much have a craving that I'm hoping the next time we play Dungeons and Dragons, which is soon, we haven't played in a minute, so hopefully soon mm-hmm. it will be it will be satiated. 
Um, it also reminds me of back when we had happy hours at our office, when when we were going to into an office before the pandemic. And we used to have like a, a place in our building that would do these Monday happy hours in a degroni. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I miss the Mercury. That was such a great bar. Yes. And also uh, Biltong Bard would do liquid lunch. Oh, and right. They, they so had, dangerous. Oh, I know. Uh, but they, they had <laughs> Negronis as well as a part of that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting because it it's a drink that, as we've done this research, has made me miss these social times yeah. when I would drink it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a it's not a thing I've ever really made at home. I'll make like a Manhattan at home. I went through a pretty serious uh, Manhattan period uh, during the first part of lockdown or not mm-hmm. lockdown, shutdown. Anyway, that 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 sounded way more serious than it even did. it was for a second there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, no. Uh, and then I quickly realized that I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I should not have the means to make myself a Manhattan at home at any mm. given point in time. Because <laughs> then I'll just drink Manhattans. Which, wild, tasty, you know, like, again, drink responsibly. Yes. Negroni, there, there, there is a Negroni week. Mm-hmm. This is a corporately designed kind of holiday week um, that is nonetheless pretty delightful. Um, it is uh, shifted over the years. It used to be in June, but in 2020 and 2021, it's happening in September. This year, it will be September 13th through 19th. So we're ahead of the curve for once. That's definitely what we intended. Yep. Planned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and uh, for for kind of like a like a like a base to this episode, you can also see our episode on a morrow from October of 2018, which includes a lovely ghost story uh, read by Not Us. It's very Old Gods of Appalachia, plus our previous cocktail hours, especially uh, the gin and tonic episode, which we classicked in July of 2020. Savor Verb, created by Lauren Vogelbaum. Classicked. (laughs) That's what we did. Yes. uh, The Amaro episode is, is a really fun one, too, so I really... Both of those are, are are two that I reference in my own. Uh, I know a lot of you listeners write in or like, oh, when I'm at a party, I bring up this fact. These oh, two episodes yeah. Yeah, same, same. Um, and especially uh, in the Amaro episode, we uh, we interview the lovely folks at Etta Rhine, which is a distillery out of Asheville, which we got to visit while we were up there. And um, and that in the, the, the ghost story in question is the, uh, story uh, that that inspired their name, and yeah, I um, especially as Edirine has gotten wider distribution, um, I've just been just been talking them up to 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 all kinds of humans, um, yes. and love doing that. Great, great stuff. Oh, I need some. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well, before we go too far down the path of desire, perhaps we should get to our question. I guess so. The Negroni. What is it? Well, uh, the Negroni is a cocktail made with gin, sweet vermouth, and a type of Amaro called Campari. Uh, Traditionally, you can put other stuff in there, uh, but that's the basic, basic stuff. 
Um, it is garnished with a slice of orange or a strip of orange peel, the latter sometimes flamed. It can be served chilled and straight up uh, or over ice. A single large cube is pretty popular. And it, it's, it's, the drink is smooth and bittersweet and herbal, a little bit spicy um, or, or spiced, I guess, rather, uh, but with this brightness underneath. And not to get, like, too poetic on y'all, like, right off the bat, but it just it tastes like a, like a summer night. I should have a, uh, ooh, next time we play Dungeons and Dragons, I should have some kind of, like, poetry off. Oh, no. <laughs> where you have to describe the Negroni, and I shall judge <coughs> from my dungeon master <laughs> position. Oh, gosh, that would be something that Ben Bolin would be amazing at, and that I would be like, give me a few weeks, and I'll come up <laughs> with an amazing entry. <laughs> I feel like all of you are really excellent at uh, coming up with some perhaps less than traditional poetry, but poetry nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are a poetic group. It's true. Yes. It's true. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so let's let's uh, let's break down um, all of those ingredients a little bit. So um, so gin is a type of liquor made with a neutral spirit that's then infused with any number of botanicals during and or after distillation. The uh, primary and necessary botanical is juniper, which is sort of bright and piney tasting. Uh, but gineries all have their own complex blends of herbs and spices, and imbibers all have their own personal preferences. Some common additions include uh, licorice or anise, uh, cinnamon, citrus peel, nutmeg, saffron, savory, all kinds of barks and bits and uh, stuff. Yes. <laughs> But basically, uh, gins are piney and dry, uh, with, with other herb and spice notes in there. Vermouth is a type of wine that has been infused with various botanicals, like wormwood, saffron, coriander, chamomile, and or juniper, um, and then fortified with a little bit of neutral spirit, like, um, like unaged brandy. The sweet type of vermouth is also sometimes called red vermouth, or Italian vermouth, because it is red, and it originated in Italy. We say this every time we mention vermouth, but like we're going to have to do a whole episode or like few episodes on it at some point mm-hmm. forthcoming. Uh, and yeah, they, they can range quite a bit in final effect, um, but they're they're kind of semi-sweet to sweet and sort of savory herbal with a little bit of like drying tannin on the palate. Campari um, is a type of amaro, amaro being a broad category of liqueurs that are made with any number of botanicals. Um, they're a little bit sweet like vermouth and more bitter than either gin or vermouth would be generally. Uh, Campari is a particular brand made with this proprietary recipe of over 60 herbs and fruit peels and tasty tree barks and etc. It's this brilliant translucent orange red in color. Um, with an emphasis on like orangey lemony kind of notes. It's on the dry side and has, yeah, like sweet and savory herbs in there. Uh, it's also the original liquor that spawned the sprawling Campari group beverage empire, which owns everything from Sky Vodka to Espelon to uh, Wild Turkey today. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. going places. <laughs> The orange, uh, so in, in cocktails, a strip of orange peel, sometimes called a zest or a twist, is uh, taking just the, the bright, aromatic, oil-filled part of an orange's skin off with a sharp knife or another tool, um, uh, leaving behind the bitter white pith. And 
depending on the orange in question, um, dropping this in a drink or rubbing it on the rim or whatever will add a, a bright kind of floral citrus bitter scent to the drink and a tiny bit of oil on top um, uh, on the palate. And you can also hold an orange strip to an open flame for a few seconds to char it slightly and add kind of deeper bitter flavors and caramel flavors to, to what you're doing. Um, it's nice. It's flashy in a bar. Don't set yourself on fire. Um, but <laughs> but the, uh, the result of all of this um, is, yeah, just a glass full of like bittersweet herbs and citrus and spices. And because of the inclusion of an amaro and uh, sweet vermouth, it's often been considered a pre-dinner drink to like to like stimulate the stomach um, or the digestive system, but it's evolved into like an anytime sort of cocktail. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the generally accepted recipe calls for equal parts gin, vermouth, and Campari. But of course, people like to argue about whether a different ratio is better, and there are all kinds of riffs on it. Um, some variations that I would argue wander into like whole different but related drink territory, but I'm not I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't call your drinks. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can use different kinds of vermouth, different kinds of amari or orange liquor elements, an orange wedge, right? Instead of a peel, you can top it with soda. You can add uh, a few dashes of bitters. You can add an egg and shake it to make a flip. You can use different base liquors than gin. You can add sweeteners or sourers. Uh, you can serve it frozen. You can put fruit in it like it's a sangria. I can't tell you not to. Um, some called Boulevardier a spin on the Negroni. And I guess to be fair, it is technically a Negroni with bourbon instead of gin. I feel like New Orleans would have something to say about that, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Never. <laughs> But yeah, you can you can do any number of things with this basic concept of the cocktail. Yeah, I guess I'd have to look into the history of the Boulevardier to wonder if the Negroni is a spin on that drink. Hmm. Mm. Another day. I don't dare conjecture. <laughs> Let us not dare do it. Uh, what about... The nutrition. Drink responsibly. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yeah, that's okay. all I got. Yeah. Cool. Um, numbers. We do have some for <laughs> you. We do. We do. It's the Negroni is the second best-selling drink in the world by some accounts. I couldn't really nail down specifics, but yeah. that's what some people report. Yeah. Um, as of the 20 teens, it, it started ranking way up there in surveys and polls that some of these uh, like like bar associations, um, not legal bar associations, like yes. bartender associations started conducting. Or, I mean, I guess I didn't consult any legal bar associations, so I can't tell you. Oh, man. Well, we should. <laughs> we'll get back to we you. Should. We should. <laughs> um, Negroni Week is uh, the, the aforementioned uh, kind of corporate holiday is a, is a marketing slash fundraising thing created by the Campari Company in collaboration with Imbibe Magazine. And uh, yeah, dur during this week, uh, bars and restaurants around the world will feature Negronis um, and Negroni-inspired cocktails and then make donations, hypothetically like a portion of the proceeds of, uh, of the sales of these drinks, to one or more of that year's official charitable causes. And in return, will be featured in, like, central marketing pushes. Um, it's pretty fun and or slightly exhausting. Um, but, yeah, like, over 12,000 venues now participate every year. 
They've raised uh, near about $3 million for charities in less than a decade, um, and uh, $790,000 of that was in 2019 alone. Yeah, I definitely uh, encountered Negroni Week at a bar, too, and I'm like, oh, okay, get a Negroni. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, you don't really have to twist my arm. That's fine. But here I am. I'm happy to (laughs) to get one if it is Negroni Week. Um, a video of actress Stanley Tucci making a Negroni during lockdown went viral. Oh, Stanley Tucci. Oh, my whole nerd heart. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. All right. So this this video, if you if you haven't seen it, and actually I hadn't, um, but I was delighted to go down this rabbit hole. Uh, so this video has been viewed 1.1 million times on his Instagram account um, and has been reposted various places. For example, it's gotten another 6.2 million views on Twitter. Uh, there is a lot of thirst. Uh <laughs> Drink thirst and Tucci thirst uh, uh, (laughs) surrounding this video. And also, how did I miss that he does like a lot of cooking and cocktails? I'm so out of touch. He's got two cookbooks out already. You're out of Tucci. I'm out of Tucci (laughs) touch. Heck. Uh, He's also got a memoir coming out in October called Taste My Life Through Food. Uh, Stanley Tucci, call us. Oh, yeah. We can really boost your profile. (laughs) You get on Saver, you're going to go to the top, kid. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Or we could just drink Negronis. That's also Either. Cool. Either. Both. Both. Hey. Both. <laughs> In the words of Orson Welles, the bitters are excellent for your liver. The gin is bad for you. They balance each other. Um, and <laughs> if James Bond wasn't feeling the martini, he might go for an agroni. Uh, or perhaps a related cocktail, the Americano. Um, this is a predecessor to the Negroni that um, doesn't have gin, but rather soda water, plus the sweet vermouth and the Campari, and is served on the rocks with a lemon wedge, um, making it like lighter and more summery. Uh, yeah, in the very first bond book um he's in this french cafe and and author ian fleming is setting him up as being like confident and sophisticated and like a little bit flamboyant um you know he would never have whiskey or vodka in in such a place but he goes for an americano so never (laughs) um the the aforementioned biltong bar uh the liquid lunch they used to do i think it was a negroni but it might have been an Americano. But it would—it said something in the description along the lines of like, what James Bond really drank. Oh, and I, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but hey, uh, that did come up in several sources. People brought this up. So yeah, yeah. Now you know. Um, we do have. A lot of mysterious and interesting history for you behind this one. <laughs> oh, and as with any cocktail hour, yes, we do. Um, yes. uh, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And yes, see our gin episode. It's really good required listening for this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in short, uh, history of gin, the Dutch were creating this juniper-flavored spirit called uh, Genever by about the 1500s, which would branch into gins over the next few centuries. Uh, the predecessors to vermouth also began around the same time, but in Italy. Um, and what we now know as sweet vermouth uh, developed in the late 1700s there. Campari was invented in 1860, which is, of course, a key ingredient for the Negroni. Um, it came out of this uh, Milanese establishment called Cafe Campari, uh, where one uh, Gaspare Campari blended his personal eponymous Amaro um, tinted brilliant red using carmine which is this food-grade dye made from crushed cochineal bugs. Mm-hmm. Also used in lipstick in early days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still still used in some things. Um, uh, not vegan applications. Uh, Campari itself would switch to a lab-created substitute for most markets um, in 2006. But anyway... Um, and then oranges. Uh, oranges had been grown in the Mediterranean since around 1000 CE. We've got an episode on those, too. So many episodes. Yeah. Yes. And as with all of our cocktail hours, this one has multiple origin stories. All uh-huh. of them a bit on the murky side. <laughs> <laughs> the most popular one goes thusly. In Florence, Italy, in 1919, Count Camillo Negroni asked bartender Forsco Scarcelli over at Cafe Cassoni to make his Americano stronger by swapping out the usual soda water with gin. 
Scarcelli allegedly did so and went one further using an orange garnish in the place of the typical lemon in an Americano. Scarcelli's creation was popular and it became a go-to for cocktail drinkers, so the story goes. Mm -hmm. By some historical accounts, this iteration had only a few drops of gin, though. Yes. And this Negroni fellow led an interesting life. Um, After leaving, (laughs) after arriving in the U.S. in 1892, while in his 20s, he apparently spent some time traveling across the country as a cowboy. He also earned a name for himself as a banker and a well-known riverboat gambler. Okay. Yes. uh, Historians think it was the time he spent living in London and specifically London's gin scene, that led to him potentially creating one of the most well-known cocktails of our time. Okay. Uh, The Negroni family did not wait long to found the Negroni Distillery in 1919 in Italy. They manufactured and sold a ready-for-consumption Negroni um, under the name Antico Negroni, and this distillery is still open to this day. Uh, although I, I visited their website and if I was saying I had invented the Negroni, I would put that out right in front. (laughs) They didn't really (laughs) seem to do that. (laughs) Okay. They didn't even really give a date because I was just trying to clarify, like, did this actually happen in 1919? Oh, sure. Their website did not make it readily clear, but hey, you know, you know? It's still up and running, and yes, uh, there isn't a lot of evidence to back this whole story up, even though it is the one that is told the most often, but there are some really fun tidbits that come up when people are talking about it. Um, For instance, in 1920, one Francis Harper wrote, I'm assuming to count Negroni. Wasn't wasn't clear, but I think Uh so. Okay. Quote, my dear Negroni. You say you can drink, smoke, and I am sure laugh just as much as ever. I feel you are not much to be pitied. You must not take more than 20 Negronis in one day. (laughs) Goodness. Goodness. I agree. I agree with that advice. Yes, I do as well. But twist? Hmm? A descendant of the Negroni family named Noel Negroni has spoken out about this whole thing, claiming that it was, in fact, Corsican General Pascal Olivier de Negroni de Cardi who invented the drink and that there was no Count Negroni at all. Yeah. So, okay, so this story places the creation of the Negroni not in Italy at all, but in Senegal um, and earlier, like perhaps uh, in the 1860s. Yes, and this Pascal fellow also led an interesting life as a veteran of the Franco-Prussian War. He was 18 when he joined the French Army in 1847. In 1870, he received recognition as the officer of the Legion of Honor. He spent time as a prisoner of war and was promoted to Brigadier General in 1884. Five years later, in 1889, he was named Commander of the Legion of Honor. He retired in 1891, but before all of this... He apparently, maybe, has something to do with creating the Negroni. From 1855 to 1864, he served as a base commander in Senegal, and during this time, he wrote a letter to his brother that read, 
Incidentally, did you know that the vermouth-based cocktail that I invented in St. Louis is a great hit at the Lunaville Officers Club? If that's true, I love the incidentally. 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 Like, now that we've talked about much more important things, let's throw a tidbit in here that's going to (laughs) confound historians centuries later. (laughs) Including uh, us podcasters who are just trying to (laughs) get to the bottom of the Negroni. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, so I was, so I was wrong when I said in Senegal because that, that that's a version of the story that I had read, but this makes it sound like it wasn't there at all, but rather later, uh, maybe into the 1870s in the United States. Oh, anyway, goodness. we don't know. Well, um, well. <laughs> we're we're trying our best to present the facts, we're, but we're doing oof. what we can. Oof. Um, Further backing up this whole story are alleged accounts of people who worked in bars and in medicine at the time in Senegal who cited the Negroni and the, quote, French army captain who created it. (laughs) Reportedly, some of these stories even claim that the drink was created with the help of Pascal's wife. So, who knows? We don't. We don't. We're... (laughs) We're, 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 we're reporting the many-faceted facts. Yes. Many-faceted. A kaleidoscope of the Negroni. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> author of the Negroni, Gas Regan, believes that uh, the Negroni comes from a drink dating back to the 1860s called the Milano Torino, which was itself a derivation of the Torino Milano. Huh. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Uh, These drinks got their name from the geographic location of their base ingredients, Campari from Milan and Amaro Cora from Turin. Um, And this drink or these drinks are believed to have been invented in the 1860s in Milan at Cafe Camparino. Visiting affluent Americans may have requested soda water in their Milano Torinos, resulting in the Americano. Separate episode, I'm sure. Um, or possibly it was just renamed Americano because Americans liked it. Could have been any Could have been any number of all of these. <laughs> yes. There were a lot of Italian bartenders in France in the 1920s. Campari, the company, was also hardcore marketing to the French market at this time. And from this came a drink called the Campari Cardinal in 1926, which was really close to a Negroni... The Campari Mixed Day in 1928 was even closer. Uh, Within a year, over a half dozen bars in Paris were making something similar to these drinks. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Campari brand was holding these cocktail competitions in Paris around that time. Um, And so I think that that's where some of these some of these drinks got their start. Right. Um, And Nina Wilcox Putnam, who was an author, screenwriter and columnist, She wrote in 1933, all Gaul was divided in three parts, one part gin, one part vermouth, and one part Italian bitters. Which is interesting because (laughs) (laughs) um, as as with a lot of these episodes, I'll be researching something and then I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's the date. And then I'll research something else. And it's like, no, okay, this is the date. And a part of this was really confusing because a lot of the people who have written about the history of the Negroni are specifically looking for the history of the equal parts recipe. Right, right. Which 
according to most sources, did not happen until much later. But this like quote from this author sounds like, there you go. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's it right there. That's it. Uh, but uh, other sources do not report this to be the case. Um, recipes from 1934 and 1943 suggest that drinks similar to the Negroni have been around, if not in the name, for a lot longer than perhaps we thought, and perhaps called the Camparanete. Um, there's even a printed recipe from 1929 that is essentially the Negroni, just under a different name. Some have even linked the invention of the Negroni to uh, an 1895 American recipe. What? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That being said, others argue the first written recipe that matches our more modern understanding of the Negroni appeared in Floridita Cocktails by Costantino Constante Ribaliaga, uh, which may have been published in 1939 or after World War II. Hmm. Food historians have dug into that as well, which I love. Um, this recipe is credited to Manuel Sanchez Maspons out of Havana. Uh, it wasn't the equal parts recipe, though. It called for two parts vermouth, one part gin, and one half part Campari. The equal parts recipe first appeared in print in 1947 in an, an Italian paper after a bar historian discovered this recipe in Cocktails Portfolio by Amadio Gangdiglio. Um... There was no date given on when that specifically was written. <laughs> it's all a mess, is what I'm saying. It's all a yeah. Mess. <laughs> Lots of, yes. Yes. Lots of mess. <laughs> Lots of mess. Uh, the Negroni may have been accepted in the U.S. as a part of a fascination around New Italy, what was called New Italy, uh, something fancy and sophisticated in the eyes of American tourists, something celebrities drank. There was a whole list of celebrities that would drink the the Negroni that people would watch from afar and think, if only I could be like Audrey Hepburn and the Negroni. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Campari was a part of this too. It was a bright light, not too strong in terms of alcohol drink. It was easy to add to things to spruce up your drink. And speaking of, Campari almost went completely under during the wars. But by 1950, the company shipped a million liters of their product to Italian cities with only 990 liters to the U.S., shipped to the U.S. Uh, That didn't stop them from advertising in the U.S. in 1951. Of those million liters in Italy, though, they seemed to be disproportionately consumed at two Italian (laughs) establishments, (laughs) including... Cafe Rosati, where head bartender Valentino Clementi claimed that the Negroni was, in fact, a creation of his. Oh. (laughs) Right? Oh, no. Yes. In 1967, the story goes that a busy bartender in Milan accidentally poured Prosecco instead of gin when making a Negroni, making what would become known as a Negroni Sabaiato, which I'd never heard of. Have you heard of this? I, I I hadn't until I did the reading for this episode, and and it was one of the main uh, riffs on a Negroni that I read yeah. about right up there next to the Boulevardier. So, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds oh yeah. Good. No, I I huh. I love a cocktail that has sparkling wine in it. Um, in terms of uh, I mean, it usually tastes delightful, and then after one, I'm like, I'm never going to drink again. I am going <laughs> to have water. 
for the rest yes. of my life in order yes. to make up for the delicious mistake I just made. Right. <laughs> it's yes. how I feel about French 75s as well. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Some historians and bartenders have chronicled the dark ages <laughs> of the Negroni, one being during the World Wars. And th- this is specifically in Italy when gin was tough to come by in that country. And the other, when drinks in general were suffering, the 70s and 80s, which we've discussed. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which um, affected the quality of things like bitters and vermouth. So people were getting like really cheap bitters and really cheap vermouth. Um, According to some Italian bartenders, ordering a Negroni in Italy during this time was the equivalent of an American ordering a vodka Red Bull in the 2000s. Um, basically, yeah, (laughs) you were just looking to get trashed. Um, this all changed with some marketing around bitters and vermouth in the 1990s that in turn impacted the Negroni. Some of this advertising included celebrities like Charlize Theron, and there's an apparently infamous ad for Campari called Red Passion, and I watched it, and yeah, I can't even explain it. Um, wow. Was that the, didn't, didn't like... Polini do a bunch of ads for them in the 80s? Was that part of his run? Um, I don't know. Okay. I, I feel like it's an ad I can't explain without offending people. Oh. Um, goodness. I could okay. be wrong, but I mean, I recommend watching it. I was shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dang, I feel like I feel like you are relatively unflappable. So, uh, so I'm I impressed. was flapped. I was flapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so what had happened was uh, uh, Federico Fellini um, did this series of ads for Campari, or possibly a ad for Campari um, in the '80s. I want to say like '84. So, so your reaction to this. If, if y'all are not familiar with his work, it is a lot um, in a mm-hmm. beautiful way. Uh, so, so like satiricon stuff like that is Fellini. So if, uh, yeah, it was it was like that. Hmm. Um. <laughs> okay. I I'll I'll try to give a brief description. Um. Oh, goodness. Imagine you're watching. You think you're watching a perfume ad. Okay. Because it's that same kind of, like, pursuit, like, very heteronormative male, female pursuit thing happening. And then they they catch up. They're in ball gowns. They're in a beautiful place. They catch up with each other. One of them spills Campari on the other person. Red everywhere, right? It turns out... That the person you think is the man is actually a woman, and the person you think is a woman is actually a man. Oh. And that's the ad. <laughs> Campari. And, uh, huh. <laughs> I I just was uh, confused, mostly. Yeah. Uh, and surprised. That is, also. <laughs> that is, to be fair, how I feel watching his films. So, yeah. That, yeah, seems on par, like, standard. Yeah, yeah. Regular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. At any rate. <laughs> okay. So Campari really leaned into this equal parts recipe in the 2000s, which really helped Negroni emerge from the dark ages mm-hmm. of the 80s. 
the Negroni's popularity was also helped along uh, with a boost of the popularity of gin. Yeah, um, and, and the company itself uh, really revamped during the early 2000s, uh, starting with a number of beverage brand acquisitions and yeah, parlaying that into all of these huge marketing pushes. See above, re-imbibe and Campari starting up Negroni Week. Uh, that happened in 2013 um, with just 120 participating venues originally. They now have 100 times that. So good for them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 2020 was a digital-only event, but I believe it is going back to um, being partially, at least in person, in 2021. Campari Group threw a whole series of uh, Negroni parties in 2019 to celebrate the ostensible 100th birthday of mm -hmm. Negroni. <laughs> Hashtag N100. <laughs> uh, that same year, an Italian documentary called Looking for Negroni debuted. I think it's out just this year in the United States. Um, also just this year, a, a whole book of Negroni recipes was published. It's called Negroni. There you go. There Straight you go. Point. I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, willing to experiment. <laughs> <laughs> How many variations before it's no longer a Negroni? These are deep questions we must ask See, ourselves. See, I'm not. It, it's it's like it's like a, a Theseus's ship paradox, you know? Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> but with the Negroni <laughs> with a <the> cocktail, <laughs> there is a white Negroni, just like a uh, white vision. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh goodness, can I can I tell you my favorite joke that uh, that my friend Adam P. Nave uh, made on Twitter like a couple days after that episode of Wandavision came out? Please. He was like, "Actually, Theseus's ship is Destiel." <laughs> I bet two listeners got that. <laughs> And for you too, that was for you. That was for that was for y'all. You're welcome. Everyone else, I'm sorry. Uh, explaining that would only make it worse. Yes. <laughs> so. that, that would become a like 15 hour endeavor. Um, but I really appreciate that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, you're welcome. The, Thank you. The, the three of you are welcome. Um, Thank you. So. Perhaps clearly, uh, this is all we have to say about the Negroni today. <laughs> yes, yes, for now. But we do have some listener mail for you. We do, and we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener and intense cheers. Yeah. I was trying to remember the voices people do in D&D. Or Stanley Tucci voice. There were a lot of things that going on in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. <sighs> um, John wrote, and apologies in advance, because there's a lot of pronunciation in this. I'm going to try my best. Oh, goodness. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yes. Um. Annie, in the Groot episode, you mentioned a Chinese tea in a red can with yellow lettering. This may be it. In Wikipedia, search for Wong Lo Cat, and it has photos of four such cans. Three cans have the same writing, but the third can is captioned 310 milliliters red can version produced by JDB, named JDB, um, and it has different Chinese writing. An Amazon US search of Wong Lo Cat brings up a result, and so does Wang Lo Ji herbal tea. Those characters match four cans from the Wikipedia entry. I love this. This is like a detective search. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, on Amazon, Jia Duo Bao herbal tea brings up the other can. A tea I had in Sichuan restaurants in Western China had goji berries, rock sugar, chrysanthemum flowers, tea, and other stuff. Tastes kind of similar to the red yellow can. On Amazon, I found it. Search for Sunny Hill Chinese Herbal Tea, eight plants mix, chrysanthemum, hawthorn, wolfberry, cassia, honeysuckle, orange peel, gardenia, single crystal, rock sugar, 10-count tea bags. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> about $9, so cheaper than the cans. My favorite Chinese food, usually a morning street food, actually, and a Google search said some Atlanta restaurants have it, is Jian Bing Guo Zi. Thin crepe topped with eggs, choice of spicy, not spicy sauces, green onion, and breadsticks. Thin and crispy or soft and fluffy, depends on the place. Mm. Wrapped mm-hmm. up into a rectangle, eaten as a sandwich in China. Sending you names of things for you to search for. Sorry. <laughs> um, a bit of work, but safest. 
thank you for being you. I've listened to Sminty since the days of Kristen and Molly. Oh, Caroline, Emily, Eve's wonderful ladies also. Bridget is awesome. Annie and Samantha, I love your work with Sminty. Keep it up. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I donated money to one of the organizations mentioned in an episode on voting in Georgia. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I probably heard about Food Stuff Saver through an ad during Sminty episode. About six years ago, Kristen and Caroline were doing a live Facebook session, and in the comments, I entered something like, good morning from Japan, and I nearly fainted when Kristen said my name. <laughs> I'm not into movies, gaming, or fan fiction, but I find those chats interesting. A peek into stuff I'm not into, get a glimpse of things outside of my little world. Love all the laughs in the episodes. The pimento cheese episode had me confused for quite a few minutes. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota and recall a similar sandwich spread, but I've lived most of my adult life in Japan and a bit in China. Sminty and food stuff keep me connected to the U.S. in good ways. Aware of issues I didn't know about previously. Big thank you to everyone involved in the podcast for all the work and being such great people. Oh, <laughs> thank you so, so much kind. for listening. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh. Yes. It's so funny because when when people say things like, oh, when someone said my name, it meant so much to me. It means so much to us when you write to us. It really yeah. does. Yeah, it is. It is so it is incredible to me. Literally, every time someone is like, oh, hey, I listened. I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, and I liked it. I'm like, really? Yes. Like, holy heck. Are, are Dungeons and Dragons comments? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh yeah no like it can it can be a really um like isolating form of performance uh, yeah. uh doing podcasting because it's just me and annie on like a skype call we're mm-hmm. both just in our houses yeah and yeah it's just like after this happens does anyone actually listen to it so it's it's really beautiful to hear from you all yeah. um yeah. and thank you for your detective work on this a lot of oh, you have goodness. sent in right. uh, Messages about this canned tea that I, I've spoken about. I'm very, very excited to see if any of them are correct. I suspect. I suspect one of them must be. Yes. 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 Uh, future legwork, but but good, good, yes, good, good initial initial searching. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas wrote, was listening to your episode on pimento cheese, and it brought back some happy memories. See, pimento cheese has a big part to play in the start of my wife's and my relationship. There's a restaurant in Columbia, South Carolina, where we were both attending seminary, uh, called De Patros, and it had the most amazing pimento cheese dip with wonderfully crispy on the outside, chewy on the inside pita chips that we would always get. We had been good friends for some time, but feelings were starting to change, and I wanted to have a conversation with her about trying out dating each other. This was the restaurant we went to, and over pimento cheese dip and pita chips, we agreed we liked each other. And the rest, as they say, is history. Well, now we're both pastors in northwest Wisconsin, and in the town where she was serving, there was this small-town butchery grocery store called A Butchery Shop. And what do you know, they sold pimento cheese. I was so surprised when she came home with a container of it because I'd always thought of pimento cheese as a Southern thing, uh, like y'all talked about in the episode. Now it's a nice little reminder of the South while we're up here. On a kind of related note, I wanted to see if y'all would be interested in an episode on Lutefisk. Uh, I serve a church that does an annual supper centered on Lutefisk, and there are some die-hard fans. Uh, One nonagenarian has been coming to the supper since it started 70 years ago. I've heard it has a very different reception in Scandinavia, like a lot of immigrant foods, so that might be cool. Same with, oh, uh, I'm not sure how to say this, lefse, lefse, a, a kind of potato flatbread crepe 
if you haven't experienced it before. I have not. Um, and on a decidedly unrelated note, I just wanted to share that every time y'all open with the question and there's that chime where Annie asks XYZ, what is it? I always picture a dramatic face turn to Lauren and a raised eyebrow. Don't know if y'all do that, but it's my headcanon. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> I always do like a sweeping arm gesture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a really big, it's a really big opening of the question. Yes. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I do, I love hearing stories like this of like we met or we this emotional moment or big key moment in your lifetime was over a food item. And now that food item yes. is forever associated. Oh, so it's, wonderful. So yes, wonderful. It is. It is. Um, thanks to those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. Uh, we're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.